Hey everyone, it's Vic from the Medhurst Podcast. I recently joined Crispy and Rob K on their insightful podcast, Real Dad Talk. We had a heartfelt conversation about the joys and challenges of fatherhood, sharing my own experiences raising three wonderful kids in today's world. We delved into our relationships with our own fathers, compared our parenting styles, and discussed how to navigate the tricky waters of social media and its impact on our children. While our podcast is on a short break this week, I'm thrilled to share with you a special bonus episode where I'm featured on Real Dad Talk. It's a conversation filled with genuine experience and insights. Hope you find it as engaging as we did. And don't forget to support and follow the Real Dad Talk podcast on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Real Dad Talk, episode 73, Fatherhood. Welcome, everyone. Chris B. here along with Rob K. How you doing, Rob? What's up, Chris? Happy New Year's. Happy New Year. I think it's still okay to say Happy New Year, right? I think it gives us like a couple of weeks to do that. I think we have another two weeks. I mean, if it hits February, we can't say it anymore. But no, good. But, but what I tell you is this. I'm really happy about the guest we have today. Uh, Vic Aslanian. He has a podcast called Med Herosner. And in English, that translates to Our Heroes. So thank you for coming on, Vic. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you for having me. Welcome likewise, to the show. Likewise. Welcome to the show. So tell us a little bit about Mehero Sned. You're a fellow podcaster. Tell us what's up. Yeah, yeah. Mehero Sned. Where Mehero uh, Sned is, um, is a podcast me and a good friend of mine, Mike Balian, started. It's a podcast about Armenian history. Uh, and it's in English, and we wanted to do it in English in order to reach a broader audience, and uh, not just for Armenians, but also non-Armenians. And uh, it's been an exciting ride. We're we're almost three years into it, and uh, it's challenging because you know we you have to do a lot of research to. Uh, present the right information, uh, but we also have a lot of intellectuals who join us, a lot of uh, professors, and uh, we just cover you know topics that has to relate with our history, which uh, goes way back. Like you know, some we usually t- try to say about ten thousand years, but some actually argue that it can go you know twelve to fifteen thousand years. Um, but yeah, it's it's been really exciting, and um, I, I don't know. It's it, it was something that just popped out of nowhere. Um, me and uh, well, Mike is an actually he's a three uh, D artist. Uh, he does three D sculpting for video games, movies, uh, animation, and uh, he had done this sculpture of Digdon the Great, and he showed it to me and. Uh, this idea sparked to take that and turn it into uh, a sculpture. Um, I don't know if you guys can see the sculptures I have right up there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, you know, we, we had this little business idea. We we're like, why don't we, uh, and the war hadn't started yet, but the 2020 war. And we were like, why don't we turn this into like marble sculptures? So he would come to my office a lot. We would sit there and talk, but and for somehow the conversation would always lead to talking about history. And uh, one day I just 
called him up and said, hey, how about we do a podcast? He's like, okay, who's going to be doing this? I'm like, me and you. He's like, what? <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, we sit here and talk about history. Why don't we just record it and see what happens? So um, I kind of had to twist his arm and kind of, you know, get him to do it. Um, but what happened was uh, we ended up meeting uh, a gentleman by the name of Bahan Setian, who is a researcher. He's done a lot of uh, historical research. And we reached out to him and asked him if he would be our first guest. So we opened the first episode with him. And uh, he has so much knowledge about our history, what, where we began, the, like the birth of civilization um, and Armenian highlands. So uh, from there, you know, we did the first episode, we uploaded it. And within the first like week, we had over a thousand downloads and we're like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, we weren't expecting it. So we're like, okay, now we got to do episode two. <laughs> so what funny that you're saying that. And congratulations on it. You mentioned having intellects and scholars. So yeah. our podcast, does fatherhood have any intellects and scholars? I think, uh, so. I think so. I think so. There's some specialists about, you know, just parenting in general. I don't know if it's specifically fathers, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, they, so our idea was to, to create a platform where each father feels that they're an intellect and a scholar yeah. based yeah. on their experiences. Because the truth is, we're not intellects and scholars because children did not come with an owner's manual. Chris, speak for yourself. And, oh, you got the owner's <laughs> manual? Please I, do I, share. I, I, I got the second volume. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so my point, Vic, is that when we, when we bring dads on the show, we know that not, not only is every father different, we know that every child is different, right? Yeah. yeah. Every dad has different experiences and every child has different qualities. And the reason why we wanted to have you on is because, you know, you, the podcast you've chosen to do that you created was based on sharing uh, the history and the culture of where you come from. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Armenians, Assyrians, Hispanics, African-American, whatever it is. The fact that you chose to embrace that background and share it with society, you know, the thought that came to my mind first was, as a father, um, what have you done to share that with your children? And given today's society, are the children receptive to hearing that? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. My my biggest fans are my kids. Uh, they listen to the podcast. Um, some stuff they might not understand. So they they um, they might ask me, what was that about? But, you know, the greatest thing was when uh, as they're going uh, through their stages of learning Armenian history in school and they would come to me and be like, Dad, like you talked about Kajvartan or you talked about Digran the Great. I remember you telling me about this guy and that guy and this queen. And it, it's such a great feeling that as they are learning these things in school, um, 
they kind of already know about it because they've heard me talk about it. But for me, you know, the most important thing about it is, and we try to tell our audience and especially adults or parents who are listening to us is try to have your kids listen to it as well. Uh, sometimes we might talk about things that it might be hard for kids in elementary to understand, but I think from junior high or middle school now on uh, can grasp the information. Um, and and for, for me, I, I think it doesn't matter what culture you're for, part of. If you don't know your history, then you don't know your identity. Absolutely. It's, it, it is so important. So, and what history does, if you go back and learn about everything that happened from your ancestors, it, it gives you a timeline in a, of how you ended up being here why you are Armenian, for example, what happened to your grandparents, their parents, so forth. And I think it's such a powerful tool to know who you are and to be able to identify with something, right? Um, we all are proud to be Armenians, but one thing that none of us can ever live without is knowing that if, let's say, there was no Armenia, something we couldn't identify with. So the key is to make sure that our kids know about our history, where we come from, so they can preserve it for themselves, for their kids, their grandkids, so they can identify with something, right? 100%. I think it's something that we need to, as parents, uh, give the history of family history, origins, cultures. Um, it doesn't matter what it is as we raise our kids. And um, they need to be educated about where they come from. Um, it's not only with us, with you guys, with, I think just generally, you know, we have such a rich history, um, and it does have, include some digging, right? Especially for your podcast, you, you guys do a lot of research, so you have to find out all this information that's not in your conventional books, you know? And, yeah. but it, overall, I want to get back into real dad talk and what yeah. is your dad stats? I'm talking about how many kids, what are the ages? So I have three kids. Um, my oldest is, will be 12 soon. Uh, she's in sixth grade. My middle one, she is turning 10 soon as well. She is in uh, fourth grade. And then my youngest, my boy, he's in third grade. He's eight going on nine. So I'm blessed with three beautiful, amazing kids, uh, beautiful wife, uh, amazing wife who uh, without her, <laughs> this wouldn't. This was this would collapse. Um, you know, it, it's teamwork. It's it's very difficult, especially the older they get. Um, it you know with their activities and and just that 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 constant taking from here to there. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's about, you know, after school, there is basketball yeah. practices, dance practices. Chris knows it. You know it. It's it's very yeah. it's a very active day. The day starts at 6. The day ends at 9, coming home from whatever practice may be. It's, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a lot different than, for example, what we're talking about, the traditional dads that we had. Um, mm -hmm. going, going to that, what was the relationship with you and your father growing up? Um, uh, you know, it, it was, it was that typical Armenian that I think every Armenian our age can identify with. 
it it wasn't like the way we are now, right? Um, it was like that you always looked at your dad with a little bit of fear as well, that, you know, that's my dad. Uh, and my dad worked the minute we, you know, immigrated to the United States. I, I can remember I was nine years old. I think the third day he started working. Um, so he was gone early, coming home late. So, but one thing my dad, uh, when I, I started playing ice hockey, um, he was the one who would take me to my practice. Uh, you know, sometimes we would have practice like three in the morning, four in the morning, you know, take me to my games. So there was that relationship. Um, but I got, you know, but there was still that, that distance. Like, like I said, I don't know how to describe it, but it's not the same how I am with my son right now. It's a different relationship. Um, what is that difference? I, try to try to think of one experience where you can identify the difference between the way you and your dad were and you and your children. You know, I, I think with my son, I try to be more of a friend to him, but also a dad at the same time. I don't want him to be afraid of me. I want him to respect me. I want him to respect my word, uh, my wisdom, what I'm teaching him. Obviously, if he gets out of line, he knows that dad will, you know, uh, be mad at him. Yeah, yeah. And and he'll get punished. Uh, With my dad, it wasn't like that. There was always that that fear, you know, that that, that's my dad, you know, and uh, I better be good. Or, um, you know, back then, <laughs> he gets smacked if you weren't <laughs> behaving. Let, you know? let me ask you this, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead into something you said earlier. Do you think that, in your opinion, in your experience dealing with your father, that when you felt that, that, that fear, you're calling it, right, mm-hmm. that it kind of kind of disrupted or stopped or limited any kind of free thinking or expression or communication with your father? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and, and you know what it is? I I, I can't blame him. Um, it, number one, like I said, he wasn't home because he was working. The other thing is, like, typically in Armenian families, especially Soviet Armenia, um, there wasn't that, I don't think I can think of any friend I have that had that, Let's, for example, I could be sitting watching TV and hugging my son at the same time. You didn't have that. There was there wasn't that embrace, you know. Um, and again, like I said, that that I don't blame him for it. It's just how it was. Um, half the time I didn't see him because we were sleeping when he came home. Um, but then what happened was, as I got older, um, what one thing that the relationship I had with him was from even in Armenia, I would go fishing with him. My dad would actually come pick me up from school in Armenia. Uh, We would go fishing. There was a river. um, And that's something we always had. So whenever he would go to fishing trips here, he would take me with him. And as I got older, we started connecting through that fishing, hanging out, spending time together. Um, so the relationship changed, but that only happened as I was an adult. You, yes. Yeah. So sorry, Chris, that's... Hold on, hold on, Rob. Let me let me finish my thought. Sorry, one second. So um what I wanted to lead into on that was when you mentioned that when I asked you, do you, you know, do the kids 
listen to the podcast so they know about it. And you said, you know, they come ask you questions. And then when they hear about it in school, they're like, oh, I've already heard it, right? So my father uh, and my relationship did not have um, even what you described as far as fishing and so forth. It was even more limited. And the fact that you're talking about how, you know, we as dads, me, you, and Rob, we express affection now, right? And it's okay. It's okay to show how you feel and how you love yeah. them and to kiss them and embrace them, not just on birthdays, New Year's, and Father's Day, you know? Yeah. So <clears throat> the the fact that your your children are now asking about the podcast, do you think that 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 opportunity invites the opportunity for them to be open and come to you and ask questions about other issues in life that they're going to experience other than the podcast, because you provided that platform of that open door policy type of thing. Well, I I don't know if it was the podcast, but from, from, from day one, uh, I've always been very, I mean, as, as they got a little bit old ordered it, that they can communicate with you. Um, my my thing is always even with my wife i would tell her i want my kids to be uh able to talk to me to feel comfortable enough to always talk to me no matter what it is even as my girls get older and i know there's certain things that they feel more comfortable talking to their mom about but um i i you know you learn from you look at your parents their relationship how they raised you and everything and that you know it's funny there was a quote I read the other day, I said uh, something along the lines is, you know, treat your kids, you know, raise your kids in a way that they're either gone, they're either going to want to be like you or they're going to try to be not, not like, being like you. Yeah. So kind of to take from that, um, I, I, I always make them feel as comfortable as possible to know that they can talk to me about everything. That, then that comes from the whole idea when I said I try to be a friend to them rather than just the dad. Yeah, they know I'm their dad. But like, for example, my my oldest, she will talk to me uh, uh, because of the long drives we have together. I'm the one who's taking her to her soccer practice or her soccer games. You know, um, she, she she'll talk to me about everything, everything, you know, and that's how comfortable she feels. Uh, my middle one, she's a little bit, not, not so much of a talker, but so you have to try to get it out of her. <laughs> so, uh, she's funny. She actually hates talking. She, if she hears other people talking to me, she's like, oof, stop talking. <laughs> um, my son, nope. My son, you know, he, he's always dad, dad. I mean, to the point where every second it's like dad, 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 dad. You're like, give me a second, buddy. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, like I said, I, I just, I always try to make them feel comfortable to know that we are family. You can share everything with us. Uh, you're not going to be in trouble. Even if it's something bad, you're not going to be in trouble when you're going to be in trouble is if you don't actually tell us about it. And then it becomes a bigger deal than it could have been if we had handled it right there and then. So, and, and it's, it's been good. I mean, you know, like I said, I can't think of a time where, um, where they haven't, uh, let's say if they did something bad, 
they didn't share it with us and it became this big deal. They always come, they they usually go to their mom first, but then they'll come to me. Yeah. Got it. Rob, you were saying something. I interrupted you. I apologize. I was just gonna say it's like a generational thing, right? It's uh, you know, I don't think my dad even respected me until I graduated college. <laughs> so <laughs> it was one of those things where my dad even didn't hang out with me until like 22, 23 years old, or give me that respect that, you know, it's tough because this modern age, you know, we want to embrace our kids. We want to show them that we care. We're here to listen. But at the same time, we have that in us as well. And uh, I don't, I think there's a fine line, right. You know, between the middle, you know, we can't lean too much this way. We can't lean too much that way because if we lean too much this way, they're going to be like, oh, you're my friend now. Or you lean too much that way. Okay, you're being too strict of a parent. We got to yeah. be Well, so you're the I one mean, who's got the owner's manual. You tell me about listen, it. Listen, it, the owner's manual comes comes with a price. <laughs> but um, yeah. in general, it's, it is challenging. Um, and I think as fathers, we are doing um, above and beyond, you know, uh, with our careers, with and spending time with our kids, taking to sports, whatever it may be, we're, you know, the challenge yeah. changed, which I, which I embrace. But, you know, going back to uh, the sports thing, you know, taking the kids to sports or dance lessons after school, whatever it may be, you know, five days a week, four days a week. We don't see the payoff now. What are your what are your impressions on this? I mean, I, I I get that you know none of our kids. I don't think my kids going to go into NBA even through all the basketball practices he goes through. Um, you know, what is the positive aspects of us being there, even to the extent of nine p.m. at night going to practices? Well, first of all, never say never. Um, you know, okay, you you, you never know. You yeah. never know. Um, but before I answer that question, I want to add something else to what we were talking about is, um, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, the word I love you has, you know, it's it's used more often in our generation of families, I think, towards our kids and your kids towards me or, or my kids towards me. When we, Like when I drop them off to school, first thing is, I love you, dad. Have a great day. Same thing. Like, I don't think any of us had that with our parents, right? Oh, you're a softy, Vic. I'm just saying. I like, love it. I love it. So it, that is so important. Yes, and it is. You have to say that every day for them to understand that they are loved, that they're that we care about them. And then when they say it back to you, and there's meaning behind it, you know? So uh, just wanted to add that part. But as far as sports, so... You know, my, my my oldest is the first one who started sports. She was five years old. She saw her cousin play soccer, who, who's a year older than her. And she said, Dad, I want to play soccer. I said, okay, sure. So I took her and she fell in love with it and she started playing. So she's 12. So it's almost seven years she's been playing soccer. And uh, I'm her biggest fan. And it was, uh, you know, it, it is difficult, especially as they get advanced, you know, in sports and they start playing club, it could be basketball, soccer, volleyball, whatever it is. Um, and then after that, my son, then my daughter, you know, especially with the school activities, they're, they're playing sports in school as well. So you have this crazy schedule, right? They have practice at school, definitely that they go to the other activity, 
Uh, they used to do dance before. But here's the thing. I know it's difficult for us. And you're, you know, I call myself the, the free Uber driver. I'm just taking my kids from one place to another. Uh, but it's keeping them busy. It's keeping them occupied. It's also good for their future, especially team sports. I, I'm a big believer in team sports. I think it's very important. I played hockey for a long time. I know what it does to you. Um, and because if they don't, then what's going to happen? That that free time that they have after they're done with their homework, whatever, they're usually going to be on their electronics. As they get older, you got to be worried about social media apps, things like that. Uh, so when you keep them occupied, I think it's healthy for them, uh, their brain, uh, physically. So um, I'm willing to, uh, you know, sacrifice whatever you want to call it, my time, that, that crazy traffic drive, uh, everything to make sure that they don't, they don't fall on the wrong track. And, uh, you know, my, my biggest fear as a parent, and this has happened, especially with my oldest, is when their innocence is taken away too soon. Mm. Uh, where as a parent, you try so hard to teach them the right things um, and let them be kids. And then all of a sudden, you put them out in the world. And because of somebody else's parenting, or they get exposed to shit that you didn't want to. Yeah, and then now that innocence is gone, and there's no way for you to bring that back. So, again, that is why I try to, not just because they love the sport, whatever, it's good, keep them busy, keep keep them occupied. We live in a different world now. It's, it's The world's moving too fast, information is too fast. I don't think our brains can handle it at this point. We have so much coming in in a day. Uh, and it's not healthy for these kids. So how do you, you know, on that note, sorry, Rob, on that note about when, you know, in the house, there's one set of uh, culture, right? They go outside, they experience another culture, and then they bring that home. And then you hear or see that they've been exposed to that, right? Yeah. So uh, what's your... What's your approach, because there's very different ones, on how you let your child know that, hey, that's not how it works in our house, and this is why. You know, it's not the do as I say, not as I do, but it's if somebody jumps off the cliff, then you don't have to follow and jump off the cliff. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, again, it's about communication, right? So... Typically, it, especially with the girls, if they say they saw something that's, you know, not not appropriate or, you know, it wasn't for their age, they'll typically go to my wife and talk to her about it. That's one thing. That's another thing that my, my wife does really well is keep that open communication. You can talk to me no matter what it is. You can talk to me. Um, and then typically the message will pass on to me. and depending on which child it is, we'll sit down and have an open communication with them and explain to them what they saw, what it was, and depending on what it is, try to explain it at the most PG version possible. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and, tell, and explain to them that this is the world we live in. There are different types of people. There are different types of beliefs. 
uh, if the subject has to do with religion or whatever it is, we explain to them why we don't do those things, why we don't believe in those things because of who we are as Armenians, because of our culture, because of our religion. And we'll, if we have to break it down, because obviously the kids are always going to say, why, 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 why? So you have to be able to answer those whys, correct? Um, so that's what we do in our house. And there's been cases like that where, we, you know, where you were like, man, the last thing I wanted to do is talk about this with my 10-year-old or 8-year-old. But they were exposed to it. So what do you right. do? You can't ignore it. I'd rather for them to know what it is now, even though it's early for their age, but at least they now know. So if they see it again, they know how to respond to it. Yeah, it's, it. it's, it's, it's uh, with everything going on with social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you want to say um, at this point, it's kind of, it's all the information is out there. and. Uh, going to that extent of what information is available to our kids, how do we safeguard them at this point? Because like you said, they'll ask you, dad, uh, for example, I heard about this, I saw this, and it happens to me every day. Um, my daughter the other day it had a question, is religious based, based off a post she saw? And I was like, I was kind of thrown back and kind of went in through the motions of explaining it. But it's very tough, you know, is there restrictions, limits that we give our kids? We try to restrict all this social media, FaceTime, screen time as much as we can, but it is not an easy task. Um, yeah. how, how in your household, how do you approach this? Um, social media, the only social media that we kind of allow would be YouTube and older accounts are age restricted. Um, and again, I'm 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 not home most of the time. So whenever they're home with my wife, she's very strict about electronics, especially weekdays during school nights. The, the only time they can be on electronics is typically once they're done with all their homeworks, whatever, right. maybe max an hour. Uh weekends maybe a little bit more, but we're so busy on weekends with activities. So they don't have time, um, but we, social media, again, like I said, there's no way they're gonna be on Instagram or any of those things that, that I mean, I'll try to keep them off, the, off of that as long as possible. Obviously, you know, the older they get, it's a little bit difficult, especially in their teenage years, but those are the dangerous times. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, especially I'm, with girls. I'm seeing this day and age, I see, People from the school around my son's age, uh, younger, older, they have Instagram accounts now. And for me, like I, for for my kid, I go, you know, I don't want that, and I, he knows that. Yeah, it's it's a really, it's really tough because you know, there's so much information that's literally uh, being infused uh, out there in these channels, and it's just like, how do we stop this information? Like you said, it only takes one time. One one source to kind of set the kid off and have them thinking about something. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that transparency you're talking about, where your kids come to you and they ask you, you know, I, I I think that's the only way to go to be transparent. Your kid asks you a question, you can't hide around the bushes. You got to give them 
somewhat of an answer so they're not later on goes five years down the line go hey told me this but it's not really true yeah yeah either that or you didn't let me speak and give my opinion yeah and i just had to shut up i i don't think you should lie to your kids when it comes to things like that i think you should be uh open about it and explain it uh it as as the right way as much as possible so it's not again it depends on the topic and the subject what it is uh but you know the other biggest problem is uh especially in schools right so you as a parent you do everything possible to 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 make sure that they're not exposed to things that are not for their age but then there's parents who don't care and it's been it's happened to me multiple times with my oldest where like I said, she, she has, uh, you know, school friends who have TikTok and have Instagram and they're looking at this stuff during break. They're sitting next to each other, flipping through that. And my daughter's sitting there and they're friends. She's seeing it. And she'll come, how come I don't get to have TikTok or how come I don't get to have Snapchat and this and that? And I basically explained to her that it's not that you can't have it. It's just it's too early for you because as much as there, you might put restrictions on these apps, something can slip out. They're not perfect, right? And that one thing that slips out can completely change the way they look at things or take away their innocence, uh, be exposed to something way too early. Because one thing, especially anything that has to do with sexual content, the minute a kid is exposed to sexual content, it's like their mind can't stop thinking about it because they want to constantly know more. What was that? It pours gas on that little flame that popped up. Yeah. So imagine a, a, a 12 year That's why you see girls on, and you know, I mean, the biggest problem right now is what teenage girls on TikTok and Instagram, you know, putting on makeup and trying to look older than they are, you know, because they want to be cool and this and that. And what is that? They want that's attention. Cool. Attention, attention, but that attention comes with sexuality, right? It's exposure, exposure towards they want to be attractive, they want guys to look at them. Well, what is a 12? Why does a 12 year old need to do that? Why, why does a 12 year old even know about that? That means they were exposed to it. And they could they the way I see it is if they were exposed to it at an early age, they thought, oh, this is the cool thing to do. So they started looking at it more and more and more and more, and then they want it to become that way. Yeah, and at that age, they don't have, well, this is my opinion. I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, but at that age, their mind has not developed sufficiently. They yeah. have not had life experiences sufficiently to be able to, to piece together what to do with that information that's you know coming in. I was going to keep it lighthearted and say, okay, what's your thoughts on at what age to to allow your children to have a cell phone? But then you shot straight into it and saying that your daughter's classmates during school, they're flipping through. And how old's your daughter? She'll be 12 soon. 12-year-olds. So you already got 12-year-olds at school with yeah. cell phones going through stuff that some parents may not want to have their children exposed to. Well, yeah. I mean, again, so for example, my 12 year old got a phone uh, 
this this earlier this year. And the reason we got her a phone uh, was because of the fact that there are times where we drop her off at places as far as sports activities and then I'm going or my, the mom will drop uh, her off and then I'm going to go. We need to be able to communicate with her. Sure. And at this point, it's like we can't have her use her coach's phone or this. It, it, it just doesn't work, you know. But she knew that when we got her phone, there was going to be limitations on it. She can't she can't download an app without my approval. She can't do this. She can't do that. Everything's restricted. If she needs to do anything on that phone that has to do with, like I said, gaining access to anything, I have to allow it. And you guys know all that stuff. All the phones have those features, right, as a parent. Um, but it's funny. We went back and forth, and we even had a little argument about it with my wife. It's like, you know, we really didn't want to. But it it came to the point where life just puts you in that situation. Where sure. Like, this is a gadget that we need to get for her because it's also for safety reasons, you know. Um, but her friends have it too, right? Her friends have a cell phone. Oh yeah. Well, the yeah, class. Her friends, her friends had a cell phone. I mean, again, we joined this school when she was in fourth grade. I mean, for fourth grade, her friends had phones the latest iPhone, you know, and that's the thing. I always go, why does your kid need an iPhone 15 Pro? Like, what are they doing? That, give them the, give them like, the iPhone 8. <laughs> give them the... Yeah, my, my, kid, my kid has the smallest, what is it, the iPhone 12 is the tiny, tiny iPhone, you know? There's no need for that. It's They'll still take pictures. They'll still do what it needs to do. But some people, like, I think also culturally, we are very materialistic um and what it's it's always keeping up with the joneses you know you gotta have the best of the best the biggest house the best car the best phone and a lot of parents instead of teaching their kids to be first of all to understand finance um to understand how money works where money comes from they just give them, give them, give them, and and you know, shower them with uh, expensive, unnecessary, materialistic things. And these kids think that's how life works. Mm-hmm. So, so later on in life, what happens? These kids don't don't know what, what work ethic is. They don't know what money is worth. And mm-hmm. we're gonna throw them into the real world at 18, 20 years old. And and I agree with you. It's one of those things where you got to teach them the value of money. You just can't keep throwing objects, sneakers, whatever it may be in their faces. Yeah. Because there has to be enough. You know, like we're all old school, right? And I'm not saying old school is generally correct, but old school is, you know, you learn about money, what money is worth. We didn't get every, everything that we wanted. We had to work hard for it. So... It's a tough generation, especially we're talking about cell phones. I didn't want to get my, it was my son's birthday last year and all his friends already had cell phones. And I I was the last, I told my wife, I was like, I do not want to get this. Once we get this, this kid's going to change. And what happened? He did change. His moment, the phone was delivered. Yeah. You know, you, you notice it. And I would say, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this away you know, pissed off at me, dad, why are you doing this? I go, listen, you're not acting accordingly. And before a cell phone, you are not acting like this. 
So it's very tough because, like you said, we try to restrict the the YouTube, restrict all the things on the phone, like you know. But that phone is already creating uh, what is it? A distraction. A, a distraction, but also like a profile of that person. So once that profile of that person is created on the cell phone, let's say they create an Instagram account, already they're going to be marketed things that they've been looking at. So unfortunately, oh, the unfortunate part is it's going to follow them regardless. That avatar that's created of, let's say, your child, and your child likes this kind of things, you know, shoes, sneakers, this whatever may be, that that's going to follow them. So the all the marketing, all those, uh, is going to be tracked. And at the end of the day, we don't know what kind of ads our kids are going to be served. We don't know what kind of uh, profiles are going to be suggested their way. So I kind of get nervous about that because as much as we can lock it in, hone it in to uh, control them, there is ways like uh, like Vic, you're saying, there's ways that they can infiltrate in and get wrong information. And once they see that wrong piece of information, we're done. Very yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. It's it's very dangerous. I mean, listen, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I always try to use a reward system. If they want something, let's say my son comes to me and I was a big basketball fan and be like, Dad, I want LeBron Nikes. Okay, well, why do you deserve them? What have you done? Show me why you need to have those. Or if you want it, then you need to get better grades. You have to prove to me that, you know, you can do this or whatever it is. I try to create a reward system for them that, hey, if you do this, then you will get this. But I always talk to them about money, about where money comes from, how money works, how dad, you know, dad works sometimes 12 hours a day. There's a reason for that. You know, that all this stuff you guys have is because of dad working hard. Uh, you can't just, money doesn't grow on tree. Because my son, when he was younger, obviously he didn't understand the concept of money and, and numbers and this and that. And he would like, you know, be like, dad, how come you don't, you don't buy a Lamborghini or this? Like, he doesn't understand. I'd be like, well, you know, Lamborghini cost $200,000. There's no neat reason for me to spend $200,000 on a Lamborghini. So, you know, uh, but he has friends whose dads have exotic cars and this and that. I'm like, that's great. That's what they wanted to do. Good for them. Um, but I, again, as he got older, and, and by the way, he's really good at math he started understanding what I would tell him, like how much things cost, how it works. I've actually sat down and explained to my kids how my business works, how dad earns income. And sometimes it might be a good month, sometimes it might be a bad month, but I want them to understand that, you know, kids sometimes have this imagination that money's just coming through somewhere right they don't understand i want them to know from an early age that the reason you guys have these things the reason we can afford these things is because that sure. is working um obviously mom is a stay-at-home mom and that's work itself and I, don't, I think that's harder than what any of us dads do um you know but yeah you i, I think if you can teach your kids finance finances and how how, how money works at, at the earliest possible age I think they will grow up to be um, better humans, understanding how to, um, how to manage their own finances, especially when they start working. Um, uh, 
back to the kids who are always given all this stuff thrown at them. If they're lucky and somehow th that income is transferred to them and they continue their life lavishly like that, I guess that's a, that's luck. But most of the time what happens to these kids, and I have a friend like that who should stay nameless, who was one of those kids that everything was thrown at them. And, um, you know, he's, he's our age and, you know, he doesn't mean himself because he never, the, he never had the chance to learn how to be uh, financially responsible um, or to even, even have a career or anything. Mm. Got it. Rob, uh, I want to always keep this going, but I want to get your, your final thoughts. And then Vic, I want to get your final thoughts. And, and the idea is that we always exchange uh, opinions and on, on the certain topics we talk about, but we want to leave a little nugget for, for our listeners and, you know, what we'd like to share with them. So Rob, what are your thoughts about tonight? Well, it's, it's, we have a lot of aspects that we covered, uh, but number one is, you know, the kids understanding overall what the parents go through and what you just touched upon. Um, we appreciation appreciation we come from parents that you know worked very hard uh came to this country um working their butts off just to making living and you know it's and i you know even for me you know my parents were like i was a landscaper for the house i was i cleaned the house whatever my parents asked from me i did for them you know and i want that appreciation and that respect from our kids my kids um, because granted, this is a new world, but I want to keep the old world intact, especially in our household. Uh, I, we're, we're nobodies. I'm a nobody. I'm just saying that I want my family, my two kids to embrace what we have and, and for the future, not have money on a pedestal, have family surrounding you, have love surrounding you. You mentioned love, Vic, which is a beautiful thing. They gotta know what it's like to what it's like to be loved, to be hugged, because we didn't have that. You know, my dad. You know, I was lucky if I heard "love you." It's not a it's not a bad thing. My dad was a my dad is a great man, um, but it was a whole different time. And so, I think we need that hybrid. We need to bring that love in, but at the same time, have that respect and the hard work incorporated. And if we can make it happen, that'd be fantastic. But as of now, it's. It's a lot of work, and I mean, all of us could agree that you know, it's it takes a village sometimes to raise a child. You know, I have my in-laws, I have my parents, I have our aunts and uncles. Everyone helps out. So in a day and age like this, I embrace family, I embrace love, and is a great message. And and also I embrace our past, our culture. So um, that's why that's my my outlook on all this. I love it, Vic. Your thoughts. I mean, Rob kind of <laughs> said it perfectly, but uh, just to add to it, like, I mean, you know, values, family values is so important. And like you said, keeping our culture within our families. And again, this is not just about our means, anybody. You could be of, of Latin descent. You could be of any, if you have culture, 
Try to keep it in your family because every culture comes with its own, uh, you know, traditions. It's a beautiful thing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Like, I love our Armenian traditions. I love the fact that there are certain things we do in a different way. Uh, and we try to make sure we preserve that. Um, and, and you know, love, love is, love is everything. You have to show love yes. to your kids and and make sure they show love. If you, I think if you show love to them, they will show. I mean, kids, you know, they're they're naturally just love you because you're their parents, right? But that balancing act, like Rob said, it's really difficult, but you just have to figure out how to make sure that you don't uh allow them to cross that line where all of a sudden you lose your parent authority, right? So, but listen, uh, like you said, parenting is, is a learning experience. Sometimes I still think, how am I a parent? <laughs> and I still remember being in my 20s. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, the takeaway from it is that uh, just keep doing what you guys are doing um, and, and just try to be good humans, try to be good parents and teach your kids to be good humans. Real dad talk.